You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hour number two of the Blitz here, special edition on a Thursday with our pal, our partner, our friend, Mr. Tom Opferman. If you're digging what you're hearing from Thomas and maybe you've been living under a rock and you're not familiar with his work, uh, Steelers Standard. Wherever you get your podcasts, asked and answered. Mm-hmm. Wherever you get your podcasts, advanced scout, advanced Matt Williamson, scout. Wherever you get your podcasts, and also Wednesday nights, right? Countdown, Countdown to kickoff kick on uh, nine seventy ESPN as well. That's right. Just all week long, I'm just speaking into microphones about the Steelers. And do, I love every second of it. Do uh, you watch or have you watched uh, Ted Lasso? Yes, love Ted Lasso. Seen it all the way through. Much like Roy Kent, Tom Opperman, he's here, he's there. Oh, okay. He's everywhere. That's high praise. Oy. I might I might have left a four letter word out of there that they do in that <laughs> shit, but we try and keep this a familyish show here on Steelers Nation Radio. Tom, all of Steeler Nation has pro football focus in their crosshairs right now. They do. So let me ask you this: What is more asinine? Well, that's a big word, asinine, isn't it? What is more asinine? Pro football focus. Having Miles Garrett ranked better game than T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith when he had one tackle and one quarterback hurry compared to what those guys did, or hmm. what or could, what could possibly be the or here? But go ahead. The fact that they gave Dan Moore Jr. Who don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm not saying Dan Moore Jr. covered himself in glory <laughs> and looked like Joe Thomas dipped in Trent Williams on the left side, but he also held Miles Garrett to the stat line that I just mentioned. They gave him a 3.5 out of 100. Not a 30.5. That's what I thought it was. Me too. I didn't go to the air on the standard yesterday until I looked 18 different times to make sure that I wasn't reading it wrong. 3.5 out of 100. That's a joke. Like, they're doing that with a smirk on their face just to be like, well, Dan Moore's so bad, let's make him egregiously bad. If you're going to give a guy a a three and a half out of one, I mean, imagine being in school and taking a test and getting a three and a half out of 100. That means he false started on every play. He held on every play. He fell over You didn't even sign your name on the top of the test. Seriously. Like, as much as I'm mad about the Garrett thing, I think that is much more It's a joke. It's a joke. And, again, it, and, and you know what? It's PFF, I think, inserting their own little cute take into their rankings, being like, well, Dan Moore's so bad, but let's make him really bad. And then we can have people talk on national and, talk and shows and be like, falling into the oh, we're, 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 taking, we're taking the bait right now, right? Well, I think but, and Pittsburgh's taking the bait on the Miles Garrett Totally. Thing too. And when you're, a, when you're a subscription-based website like you PFF. You need to bait. It's it's a sad state of, and I I'm using air quotes here. I know this is radio, but I'm using air quotes. It's a sad sad state of journalism nowadays, right? That that's 
for so many of the outlets out there, for the PFFs, for the barstool sports, for a lot of these, all that matters is the impressions. The accuracy doesn't really matter. What matters is how many eyeballs, how many clicks, how much attention you can get. And I think PFF has figured out the Steelers have a massive, national, passionate fan base, and we can just dangle little things out there that will create firestorms for a week to drive traffic to our stuff. We're going to bring up a name here. Pro football focus, Sam Monson. Yeah. Did you see him on Twitter? What today? a jabroni. We love Chris Carter. Dunk, just dunking on him. Chris Carter Our buddy Chris Carter. Him. I mean, it but, was like but you know what? Shaquille O'Neal dunking on that Carter's, poor soul from the New York Knicks. This is why Carter's the best. He dunked on him politely. Yeah. There was no there was no like, Sam, you're an idiot or you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you like, moron. That was all coming from Monson's side after Carter threw some things in his face. Carter was very civil about things. Statistically. And just dominated him. Yep. The one that was blowing up for him, I think it had over a thousand retweets or a thousand quote tweets, was uh, just the Sam was like, well, what about the comparison and uh, – or there's not enough sample size to make the comparison. And Carter just dropped the side by side. Yep. Here's the sample size. The and pro Watt football reference. Every, every category. Every statistic. Much. Tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, you forced know fumbles. That's crazy. Six interceptions to none for Garrett, and it's like 13 forced fumbles to like four or five. That's the, because the, the, I get the ex- disparity like, there is huge. Miles Garrett is a true hand in the dirt defensive end, where TJ does at times drop back. Not often, but he does. But three of those six interceptions but, from the top of my head are from the line of scrimmage and, just jumping up. And if, if that were the case, though, right, shouldn't Miles Garrett have, have, a, at have, least a, one? have, a, have a lot more forced fumbles? Yes, I think he should. If he's in and around the box all the time where TJ isn't, where TJ's dropping back from time to time. But just the arrogance for a guy like Monson to just like double down and to keep saying that you know we're the ones that don't get it and he's the one that understands. Yeah, when they've got more. some hidden formula, like they think th- that they're mad scientists behind the board. There, you know what? Pass rush win rate. I can't even say that normally. Pass rush win say rate. Say that five times fast. I mean, you're a nerd if you think that that's gospel. Like, I'm sorry. I understand that that's a valuable analytic and that's a metric that you don't need to completely ignore. But you're a total nerd if you're just like he wins the most pass rushes. Like. Okay, has he led the league in sacks ever? No. Well, why isn't he winning his pass rushes and then finishing it off at the quarterback? And they're like, well, a lot of different things go into that. Blah, 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 blah. The quarterback gets over to the ball quick, and he's not there. Okay, well, I like to see, you know, sacks. I like to see quarterback pressures, quarterback hits, passes defended. Tangible results. Yes, and again... I think pass rush win rate has its place, and I'm oh, sure, absolutely. I'm sure TJ Watt wins his fair share of pass rushes as well. It's, it's a fine tool to but have in your toolbox, but that's right? what but they use for Garrett to make him. Like it's the, the end all the be one. Whenever this happens, and it happens all the time, even to players not named TJ Watt, Garrett will just have a quiet week, and he ends up at the top for some reason. They always lean towards pass rush win rate or the fact that he's double teamed. Yeah, like he's the no only person in the NFL that ever faces a double team or doesn't win on his pass rush and finish at the quarterback. It, it really is a bat. Like I know we talked about they like to get clickbait and like to rile up the Pittsburgh Hornet nest, but that <laughs> is just so egregiously poor analysis that yeah. you're discrediting your own, you know, outlet. When you say things, I like think that's that. a good way to put it. You're you're discrediting. Alex Highsmith had a better formula. game than Miles Garrett. Yes. he wasn't rated higher than him. Correct. I, I I just listen, and with this too, 
I think Miles Garrett's a good football player. That's the other thing, Wes. We keep telling we they they force us into saying that this guy's like chop liver. I think Miles Garrett's a great football. I think there are four defensive players in the NFL right now that are Speak in their own stratosphere. Speak on it. TJ, yep. Nick Bosa, yep. Miles Garrett, yep. and Micah Parsons. That's it. Those four are in their own stratosphere. They're playing a different sport That's than everybody tier else. One. That's tier and one. And then the top of tier two is probably the guy you see next this week, Max Crosby. Max He's Crosby is right up at there. the top of tier two. Joey Bosa's probably right up there. there in the tier then two I think you spot. could start putting some some of the defensive backs in that conversation too, like guys like Pat Sertain. I know Sauce Gardner hasn't had the strongest start to the season, but I but still at think the he's top of that list. It's those four, it's those four, it's those four, the best in the world. Fred Warner's probably towards the top of tier Different two as position, well, but yeah. right? Yeah, like, and I just it, there's this whole I don't know what it is, but it's like the friends of Miles Garrett movement. Here's my thing too. If he is, and again, I don't doubt that pass rush rush. That pass rush win rate stat. Okay, if he's winning forty percent of the time, shouldn't his numbers be a lot better? That's it. Shouldn't his success be? I look at that and I go, all right. Well, if he's winning forty percent of the time, how the hell does he not have a sack? Why is he not? Showing uh, why is he not? Why is he not finishing the play? Why isn't he yes. finishing the play? He's it's, starting the play. Why isn't he finishing the play? You know what it is to me, Tom, and I. I think some of our audience might tune out here because I know a lot of you are diehard football listeners. But if you're a sports fan in general, you'll get this analogy. And if not, just give me ninety seconds here. Bear with is me. Is it Sidnovi? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Although you are wearing a penguin shirt today, and maybe I'll bring Training that. Training camp tonight. Maybe I'll bring, baby. Maybe I'll bring that in here. Um. There, there's, there's a statistic that gets thrown around a lot in hockey circles, and I know you're a soccer guy as well too. As much as I'll, you know, let you go for being a Chelsea fan, expected goals, right? XG, where the it's big pe- in hockey for sure. The yeah. Penguins lose a game three to one, and someone goes, ah, well, you know, the Penguins actually got four and a half expected goals in that game. They just didn't finish, and the other goalie stood on his head. Which is a way to just put a quantifiable number towards the old thing where you'd say, well, the Penguins outplayed them and they just didn't win. That's what, that's and, all that does. And from time to time. There's merit. The eyeball test says you watch oh, that game. The Penguins dictated play. The Penguins had the better chances. They just they hit some they posts. Just lost. Yeah. The other goalie had a really strong game. Made a couple unbelievable saves. You see it in soccer a lot too, right? Uh, Manchester United beat Chelsea two to one, but Manchester United had one expected goal and Chelsea had three and a half. It just didn't go their way. And again, in in certain examples, you can cut the tape on. You can watch the game. And you can go, yeah, you know what? Maybe they got away with one there. Should have had more. Yeah. But it seems like we're doing that all the time with Miles Garrett when he plays the Steelers. Every time. Like he should have done well, a lot better. Well, actually, you know, his yeah. expected sacks were one and a half. He just did. I'll, okay, so I'll, get one and a half sacks. I will buy that occasionally. I'm not buying that year after year after year. I'm sorry. It is so weird. Finish more. Score more goals. Get more sacks and TFLs. Whatever the sport is, finish. It is so weird how there is just some national agenda to make him better than he is. And he's amazing. He's elite. He's borderline Hall of Fame trajectory. But they still want to make him the number one. Like, I don't know if that's because he was 1-1 in his draft class and TJ Watt was 30 in his draft class. But for whatever reason... Garrett just always seems to be put in front of Watt, and the numbers just, it just doesn't make sense. The defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett, hasn't finished higher than fourth. Not only has Watt won it, he's been a runner up, and he's finished in third place, it's too. True. So, no matter where you turn with Miles Garrett, his numbers just don't stack up against the guy who was drafted in the same gla- draft class. And they're always going to have this kind of parallel. That's why I thought you might have been going with Sid Adovi, because they're going to have this parallel track. Drafted, drafted yep. by our rivals. Yep. Same draft class, and Ovi and Sid weren't in the same draft. But you get but my a draft. year, like just a year came apart. They came in the league, yeah. and it's them. Like 
That's how I view Watt and TJ in the NFL circles, or TJ and Garrett in the NFL circles. You know, drafted by rivals, same draft class. Garrett's the guy. Watt was, you know, JJ's little brother when he was drafted. And all of a sudden, you've seen the shift where I got to be honest with you, maybe the Browns still take Garrett 1 1 if they could redo it again. But ain't nobody not picking TJ 1 2. Right. That's the case. Right. You're absolutely right. And I think part of it, too, everything you just touched on, I also think from a football dork perspective, that's, I mean, that's probably not the best way to describe this, but you know where I'm going. People just like the traditional hand in the dirt 4 3 defensive end more than they do the stand up edge line. But there's just some nobility about oh, Miles Garrett's closer to the line of scrimmage and he's got his hand in the dirt and he's got all these different things and it's hard it's it's uh it's it's easier to 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 chip Miles Garrett and bring extra protection than it is for TJ Watt when he's playing on the edge. Blah 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 blah. Why why can't you just say Miles Garrett's a great player and it, he didn't he didn't he's have his best not night as Monday good night? As TJ Watt. Like and, I don't even and by the way, he's to... just not as good as Micah Parsons either. I think TJ I... and Micah are one and one A, one B and one A and the, one B right and now. The year that Nick Bosa had last year is better than any single season that, that Miles Garrett has had yet in he's his NFL career. He's never been better than the fourth best defensive player in the league in, in the voters' eyes. And I just, I, I think there's just this nobility of he looks like you know he looks oh, he like does. a dude. He's, he looks like he's built he's like an, Michael Strahan. He's an he puts his hand I mean, in the dirt. He's he was an Adonis. sculpted by the gods. Yes. He was sculpted by the gods. Whereas TJ, now don't get me wrong, TJ does look like he's sculpted by the gods too. If you've ever been around him, but, but not to that there's extent. There's a reason why he was thirtieth in the draft class. I mean, he played. And, he played tight end half of his career in college boy, at Wisconsin. You know? Yeah, I just it it again. I, I think I think Miles Garrett's a great football player. Just, he's a great football player. There's just two players that are better than him. And for some reason, you say that, and you're the one that's being egregious. And on any given Sunday, Miles Garrett can be the best can defensive be better, player in yes, the NFL. 100%. Except for the Sundays when he plays the Steelers. Except for the Sundays, for some reason, when Dan Moore just gives him fits. And that's the but other... he won 40% of the time, but we're going to give Dan Moore 3.5 yeah, pass grade. Yeah, about talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? But so, he had one tackle. Garrett was so great. Oh, he's going up against maybe the worst offensive tackle in the history Garrett's of football. Garrett's so great. Does that and not he, get factored in? A 40% win rate and one of the worst performances of a left tackle that we've ever seen. I mean, Tom, that's like me telling you, oh my goodness, did you see the game that Sidney Crosby just had? No, what happened? Ah, uh, well, you know, he carried play the whole time. It was where he just dominated this defense. Okay, did he? No, he didn't have any goals or any assists <laughs> or anything like that. But, oh, my goodness, did you see the way he got past those defensemen? And with Garrett and Watt, too, it's not just that you look at the stats for their entire career and Watt edges them in pretty much every category. The head-to-head matchup is just overwhelming. I, I know Garrett got the playoff win. Um, Steelers really shot themselves in the foot in that game, though. But Watt's like 7-1 and one in the regular season against the Browns, and he always destroys them. I mean, he leaves no doubt, whereas Garrett disappears I think that's a why, lot against I think the Steelers. that's why Steelers fans and Steelers circles get so passionate about this debate as well, too, because the head-to-head has been insanely lopsided. You're, you're playing your arch rival, and Garrett has never made an impact in any of those games where Watt is literally there, and Highsmith for that matter, too. They're the boogeyman for the Browns. Like, they cannot stop these two freaks. They wreck every game they play. You remember Baker's last game in Cleveland, or second to last game in Cleveland? Watt was literally telling him he's too short to play football because he kept batting the ball down at the line of scrimmage. He's a nightmare for the Browns. And Garrett's just a, a mild, uncomfortable dream for the Steelers. He's just someone you got to prepare for and make sure you know where he's at. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's yet to really, you know, establish gonna win, himself. He's going to win forty percent of the time. Nat, no, you're right. The <laughs> next time that Miles Garrett wrecks a game against the Steelers will be the first time that he's wrecked a game against the Steelers. 
uh, unless you want to, you know, count him swinging his helmet at Mason Rudolph's exposed noggin because he wrecked that game in a different way, it divulged into chaos at that point. But yes, I know that, again, I just took the bait here for 15 minutes. I'm doing exactly what PFF wants me to do. But Tom and I, we're telling Sam. But they sound I mean, so kick, stupid. I mean, kick rocks, Sam. Yeah, get out of here. Kick rocks, PFF. We're going to take a break. On the other side, let's do a little around the league with uh, with Tom here. Let's talk about some of the other things happening okay. outside of Steelers circles in the National Football League. We'll do that when we return on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Feeling it here Biggie in the Electric sample? Factory. Was that what he, the the sample that he used for Hypnotize? I was, I was laughing with you. I mean, that's literally our first couple weeks of being back in the studios after training camp and doing shows. Motes and I would be sitting here and break, and we'd be like, we got we got to get something going on. Because you're like us, too. Like, music, we're both big music guys, right? We got music on all the time. It, set, it just sets the mood when you go into a segment. And so we're, I mean, we have this unlicensed library that we have access to through iHeart, right? Where you can get unlicensed music. And Motes and I, for four or five straight shows, Tom, every time we'd go to break, we there's there's 7,000 songs in this library. It's insane. And we would just literally be clicking through. Is this one good? This one good? This one good? And there was a couple where we would just stop and be like, oh, and yeah, one this is on, the one. And this like, one came minute. on. And Did Motes I accidentally like, open up Apple and like start Motes playing? Motes is like, wait a second. Is this, is this off Ready to Die? Like, is this off a of Biggie Smalls album? What are we doing here? <laughs> now, that was sick. So, yes, uh, DJ West in the booth for you, spinning the spinning the tunes for our buddy Tom Offerman, and kind enough to sit in with me here on a special Thursday edition of the Steelers Blitz. Tom, let's look around the league a little bit here. Um, let me ask you this. Let's just do some generic through two weeks conversation here. Um, let's go biggest uh, surprise in a good way, biggest surprise in a disappointing way. Let's let's start with the good here. Give me something through the first two weeks across the National Football League that you've gone, wow, I didn't expect that. Those guys look pretty good, or that player looks pretty good, or that coach is really uh, doing better than I thought he would. You got any positive surprises here through the first two weeks of the NFL season? I'll give you a couple. One team specifically is the LA Rams. I think that's a, a good, lo- a good answer. I think a lot of people kind of wrote off the LA Rams this year. Defense is a bunch of nameless gray faces, other than the best defensive player maybe in the history of the yep. sport, Aaron yeah. Donald. Uh, but other than that, they fall or supposedly were supposed to fall off of a cliff. A lot of speed on that defense and a lot of youth, though. It's it's actually pretty impressive with how that they've come along in such a short time. And if they have Donald up front and those guys, young guys, can just play off of him, I think they'll be just fine. But the main thing is Stafford's in his prime form. I mean, Stafford looks amazing. I know they lost last week to the Niners, but they put up a pretty damn good fight against the 49ers. They did. And 23 points, three of them coming in a garbage-time field goal, or not a garbage-time field goal, but a desperation field goal, trying to get the onside kick and score a touchdown. So you really only got 20 points on them. That's 
a lot better than what you saw the Steelers do against that Niners defense. And, you know, you've got guys like Puka Nakua coming mm-hmm. up on the offensive Who? side of the ball. Wait until Cooper Cup comes back, too. I mean, Cooper Cup is supposed to be back in a few weeks. I, the Rams are a team in a thin NFC that is surprising, and I think I would revise my picks and put them in the wild card. They could go 10-7 and seven and make a wild card. 100%. And all of a sudden, that game out in L.A. for the Steelers looking a little bit tighter than it was supposed to. Absolutely, particularly if the Rams get some reinforcements in the health department in that time as well, too, like you mentioned. Another surprise is that three NFC South teams are 2-0. So it's funny. The you Falcons, can... Saints, and Bucks start out 2-0. The Falcons were going to be my answer. Um uh, Motsi and I going into the season, I mean, I'm sure you and Jacob do the same thing on the standard. You know, you do a lot of speculation conversation. We picked the divisions, yeah. yeah and, and one of the things that I said was I thought the two teams this year that were really going to surprise people were the Packers and the Falcons. Okay. I'm with you on the Packers, for sure. Packers because I think LaFleur is a good coach. And I think Love's a good quarterback. And I think I think Love had so much time that I, I you know, it knows that system so well. Still the same system, still the same coach. Everyone writing him off, too. You talked in the first hour of the show kind of the great expectations for Kenny Pickett in this town yes. of coming from Pitt and being the first round draft pick and, and following up Ben Roethlisberger, uh, an 18-year Hall of Fame career. For Jordan Love, he had some of those same, following Aaron Rodgers, some of those same things, oh. but not nearly the, nobody was saying, oh, Jordan Love's the guy. Jordan Love's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Jordan Love's going to keep, there was a, so much unknown around that guy, and much like Kenny Pickett, too, he looked great in the preseason. Great. So I told Motsi, I really like the Packers coming into this season. I still do. I think they could win that division, and what is, I think, sneakily a, a pretty good one with the Lions and the Vikings as well, too. But the Falcons were my other team just because I think they got much better on defense, and what's the one thing we knew about Atlanta last year that has continued this year? And they added Bijan friggin' Robinson to the, to the fold. He already looks like a top five back, right? He's got the second most yards in the NFL. And he didn't have that many carries. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Algier and him split carries week one. wise though, he just already looks like he's elite. Tom, you know I'm a Big 12 guy, so maybe, I'm, and I mean, I don't mean Big 12 guy in terms of, I'm not like an SEC or a Big 10 fan who thumps my chest about the conference. That my, but I'm a Big 12 guy in the sense of I watch a lot of Big 12 football because I'm a, w, yes. I'm a, I'm a WVU guy. Saw a lot of Bijan. Saw a lot of Bijan, and I, I was telling everybody, like, this guy might be the best player in the draft. And I know running backs, I mean, he went, what, seventh overall, yeah, I think. He went so, early. so still pretty high but when you took when you looked at what the Falcons were able to do last year in the run game with no quarterback play with no wide receiver play they didn't really get much from Kyle Pitts like it was like okay you're gonna take a and they still were able to run the ball against anybody had one of the best the top five rushing attacks in the NFL last year when you add Bijan Robinson to that you give Desmond Ritter another year to at least be functioning like, I was like, yeah, the Falcons are going to be able to play good defense and they're going to be able to run the football on anybody. And when you do that in a bad division and in a down conference, you're going to be all right. The Falcons being at 2-0 and um, is something I thought was possible, but they've been impressive in their in their route to do so so far. They have been, but I just think Arthur Smith is such a dinosaur. And uh, Drake London got more involved this past week. Uh, they got to get their weapons involved in the passing they game. They do. Like, I, I mean, understand. what they do with Kyle Pitts is it's, it's a, football it's malpractice. He's wide open all the time. It's football like, you malpractice. See him, you see him open. As our buddy constantly. Matt Williamson would say, football malpractice. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really good as far as the tight end goes, and he's just not being used correctly. But they're winning, so I mean, you can't really criticize him too much. Um, I think the Saints are the team in that South, though. I just think they've got the best quarterback of the conference or of the division. Unless Baker wants to do the Baker thing where everybody counted him out and he's the underdog that comes back and shoves it up everybody's behind. That conference as a whole, though, has been pretty surprising. That's that's what Peter Schrager pointed out. Everyone thought they were going to be junk. They've looked pretty good. With Peter Schrager pointed out, like, 
this is when he thrives. He's not good when he's pick one overall and he has all the expectations. He thrives when he leaves the school and he has to walk on at Oklahoma and he has to win the starting job at Oklahoma and then everybody counts him out. And then when he wins the starting job at Oklahoma, he's too small. Then he goes against Georgia. Well, now he's playing against the SEC and I know he lost that game, but he took them to the mat. He went to double overtime. Put up 45 points on Georgia. He just loves it when the chips are stacked against him and now they are in a big way. The only thing I would say on the other side of that is, well, weren't they stacked against him in Carolina last year? Sure. Weren't they stacked against him? But maybe this is is clearly a much better team on paper than the Panthers are, Mm -hmm. the Buccaneers. And everybody counted him out. I mean, he was in a position battle at the start of the season with Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. And he had to beat him out. So maybe this is where Baker goes 9-8, 10-7 and takes out that division. All three of those teams can win it. I think, like I said, I think think Carolina stinks. But I think the Saints... Are my pick. I picked them at the beginning of the year. I'm sticking with them, but it's wide open between those three teams. And Jacob and I on the stand were actually thinking, is that a division that might have a, a losing record getting to the playoffs? Could be. I don't think so after a two and zero starts though. You're right, teams. but like maybe eight and nine, not anything drastic. Well, but I thought eight, nine, seven, and ten maybe at the beginning of the year. Now I, I, it's I bet probably more nine, nine, nine and eight. I bet yeah. someone gets them because I mean you got to go. You got to go seven, seven, to go, seven yeah. and eight the rest of the way, and you play all those teams. Yeah, so, I, I think you're right. I think that that that. Division as a whole has been uh, surprisingly positive through the first two weeks of the season. And what we thought was going to kind of be a dumpster fire might be pretty darn interesting to watch play out this year. All right, other uh, end of the spectrum here, right? Negative. Spin the block to the negative. Uh, What surprised you in a bad way through two weeks other than the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense? Yeah, the Steelers' offense. (laughs) I I would say the Giants threw six quarters of football, but they woke up in the second half against the Cardinals. The Bears being 0-2 is mildly surprising, but I think it's hilarious. They have not won since Chase Claypool was traded there. Literally, since October of 2022, they haven't won a game. I'm going to go with the Vikings being 0-2, though. I know we just kind of talked up maybe this is Baker's year, but you can't lose at home to the Buccaneers, even if Baker is playing well. And then your offense looks great in both games. Cousins throws for over 300 yards. Jefferson's catching 150 yards to the air. Addison looks good. You just can't win football games. And... They really tried their best to come back against the Eagles in that game on Thursday last week, but you just felt too short. The stake the Eagles to too big of a lead early for them to cut back into it. I mean, if I'm the Vikings, I'm sitting there thinking, we've played decently enough to be 2-0. and We just can't hold on to the damn football. <laughs> we keep fumbling the ball. If they don't fumble, if they cut down to half the fumbles they had in the first two games, they're at least one and one. They might be two and zero against the Bucks yeah. and the Eagles. So it's true. they got a game against the Chargers this week, and both of those teams are in zero two holes. Like this might be a death blow for the team that loses that game. Like zero and two, your slim, your chances are slim to make the playoffs as it begins with. You go zero and three. I think you're dead in the water. So. Chargers Vikings this week in the one o'clock that's a, window. That's a big Massive, one. That's a mass- big one. Probably the game that holds the most weight as far as the season is concerned. And I mean, we're only in week three, so how much weight can it hold? But when those two teams that both had playoff aspirations, both made the playoffs last year, are staring at zero and three right down the barrel, that's pretty. It's pretty disappointing as far as your season goes. Zero and two is one thing, right? It's tough to dig yourself out of, but a little bit more realistic now with the extra game. In the National yes. Football League. I know people like to say you have an 11% chance to make it. But that was through that years was, and years yes, of 16 games. Now there's 17, and there's an extra wild card spot as well, I've too. also seen something that I think in each of the past five years, an 0-2 team has turned it around and made the playoffs. That would so. not surprise me. Because, again, I mean, I extra the wild card last spot, year. extra team. 
Yeah, Bengals, Bengals started out 0 and 2, and they finished 12, 12 and 4, 13 and 4. Like it's and it's funny you say that, right? Because that's where I'm going next. That's my uh, surprise in terms of a negative is what we've seen from Cincinnati, particularly Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Is it because it's a different 0 and 2 than last year? Like and they see, look that's, way worse. That's where I was going. Like year. I expected them to start slow again because they don't play anybody because the they don't play anybody in the preseason. Remember last year, Joe Burrow his appendix ruptured and he yes. had a surgery. This year, he's got the calf stuff. Which is different because this is a legit injury. Right. Right. The appendix is just recovering from It's just a recovering from your, you know, losing an organ that is not. It's routine recovery. It's not great, but it's, yes, it's very common, certainly. You want your appendix if you can have it, but it's not not, uh, not tearing your ACL or anything like that. Yeah, when the doctor says three weeks, you're fine. It's three weeks and you're fine. Correct. Calf injury, as we saw, can get inflamed throughout the season. Last year, Joe Burrow started slow. He threw, I think, what, eight interceptions in the first two games, five against the Steelers and three against the Cowboys, and they lost both of those games, and everyone was panicking, and was last year's Super Bowl run just a fugazi, and are they still the Bungles? And then they rattled off like 12 wins in their next 14 yeah, games, right? they were dominant right? down the stretch. And I ex- they were just a field goal away from going back to the Super Bowl. I expected something similar for Cincinnati this year, and I guess it still certainly could be the case. But, Tom, at least last year when they were struggling, Jamar Chase was still making plays. Joe Burrow was still making plays. He was just turning the ball Even over the, way too much. The four-interception game against the Steelers, he led them There was back. four interceptions. That's right. So he threw seven interceptions in the first two weeks of the season. He led them back in that game. He still though. had hundreds of yards passing and touchdowns. They had a chance to win the Steelers He's, game, and they had a chance to win the Cowboys game in the first two weeks. Despite year. four interceptions and three interceptions. No chance to beat the Browns in week one. None. And they had somewhat of a chance against the Ravens, but... Burrow was driving down the look Burrow looked like he was going to do the Burrow thing he throws an interception and the Ravens take over and he threw for what 60 yards against against Cleveland I think it was 83 point? 83 it was yards the, it was like Cleveland? the worst since uh, I was thinking of your boy Phil Jerkovic last okay. Sunday down down Very nice. down <laughs> you mean the best player on your team the best player the best player on WVU Phil Jerkovic yes <laughs> the best five we've had on that field since Pat White for baby. sure no doubt <laughs> um I, I I expected Joe Burrow to, and I use air quotes, struggle, but not like this. And not for him like and this. Jamar Chase look just look like they've never played football together before. T. Higgins got off the schneid last week, though. He did. I knew he was got a little DraftKings fantasy pickup from your boy there because I saw T. Higgins zero catches. We ain't no way that's last week. Ain't no two way. That... T- two tutties against the Ravens. Hold on. Who now. they got this week? The Rams at home Cincinnati. on Monday night football. Oh, the Rams at home on Monday night. Yeah, they, that's, that's a big one. Not easy. No, it's not. And the way Stafford's a playing. Super Bowl, little Super Bowl rematch from two years ago. The way Stafford's playing. Yeah. That defense suddenly looks like. I love what the Rams have on defense. They got Aaron Donald and a bunch of kids. You know what I like mean? I said, like they're fast. It's, 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 That's a, a they're, fast they're defense. Fast. They've, they've still got Aaron Donald in the middle, but they've got speed all around him. Yeah, Donald, I, I like Donald's going to wreck that game. I like what they have on defense Donald in, in, will wreck that game. If the, if the Bengals O-line is as suspect as it's been, Donald will wreck that game. And Stafford's good enough to go on the road and, and beat the Bengals. Um, he, he went on the road and beat the Seahawks in week one. Certainly did. Oh, I tell you what, it's a, it's a big one for Cincinnati. I, they dropped to 0-3. Because, again, 0-2 is one thing. 0-3 with two at home. But 0-3 with two of those games at home, Ugh. One of the, uh, sorry, two of those being division losses already, yep. too, so you're 0-2 in the division. That's the stake through the heart, I think. Woo! They got to win against the Rams. There would, uh, there would be some, some panic certainly amongst uh, amongst Bungle Nation. And, hey, we wouldn't hate that here on Steelers Nation Radio. What about the Bills, 
Tom, what the heck's going on with the Bills? I never know what to make of them. It's like every week they're Jekyll and Hyde, right? They look great one week. They, they struggle the next week. What's your t- A lot of people are starting to, uh, you know, was Josh Allen's rise in success? Was a lot of that on Brian Dable and he's been struggling without him ever since? What's your, what's your temperature check on Josh Allen and the Bills and a team that maybe is kind of losing their status as an AFC favorite? A, a contender still for sure, but maybe not quite in that same breath that they were the last two years. Well, see, with the Bengals falling off, though, it's hard for me to not think the Bills are two right now behind the Chiefs. That's a good point because but, the Bengals in the same conversation. But I think the Ravens are also kind of starting to I make would agree. their name appear. They were my the preseason pick to win the AFC North this year. They, mine too, and Lamar is passing the ball at a very effective Lamar's rate. good. That's another. That's, people forget about is that. Is it same church, different pew yeah. as Miles Garrett? Yeah, Lamar's like, really good. Like, just because he has always been great against the Steelers. He's a really good player. Really good player. Was dropping some dimes against the Bengals dimes. last week. The Aguilar pass in the touchdown was amazing that he threw. Um, just complete precision from a quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still a believer in the Bills. I knew they were going to smoke the Raiders. Uh, minus eight was such an easy bet last week. I, I know laying that many points in the NFL always makes you nervous. But the Bills do that thing where they have a stinker and Allen throws four interceptions and then they put up 250 rushing yards the next week and Allen throws two touchdowns. Correct. He's, he's just like pinballing off of people in the secondary and incredible hulking his way down the field and they win by 30 points. So I'm not surprised that they took care of business against the Raiders. I bet you now this week, though, they go on the road against the Commies in Washington and, win, and they win that game. But I bet you it's tighter than people think. Uh, Bills will get to 11-12 wins this year, but how convincing those 11-12 and 12 wins are, I don't know. That remains to be seen. I think you're right. They just – they and they did last week, to be fair, but they've just got to find a way to run the football more consistently. I think that ails them so much. that's why they got James Cook now, and I think – Because it's, when it's a game that, that Josh Allen can't just put the team, the offense on his shoulders, they, re- they don't have a plan B. You know, if they take away plan A, it seems like they haven't had a plan B. Um, the Bills, along with the Bengals, I think very interesting to keep an eye on here in the coming weeks. All right, a couple more for you, Tom. Uh, Deshaun Watson said this morning in his uh, media availability that he knows that the Browns' offense is going to click sooner or later. Without Jack Conklin, without Nick Chubb, do you concur? No, it's going to be later. I mean, Watson <laughs> just don't got it, man. He's he's a shell of himself. I'm starting to get convinced that he'll never get back to even close to the form that he showed in Houston. Um, he's going to have to be the guy to make the offense click now that Chubb's out. And, again, I don't trust him to do that. He's got weapons, I guess, with Cooper and Peoples-Jones and more. Sure. And Njoku's an all right tight end, yeah, yeah. But your season just has to feel so deflated if you're the Browns. I mean, I mean you, lost your best, your you lost your best offensive lineman. It's like us losing Watt is what that happened. It, it, it would be kind of like the Steelers. Because, again, the Steelers are more predicated on defense. I mean, that's like losing Watt and Minka in a, in a way. I mean, yeah, so I Watson has to say what he said, but it ain't going to happen for the Browns. I no, picked them to finish in fourth, and I'm pretty confident now after the injury they will. I was willing to give his – got to be careful how I word this. I was willing to give his on-field performance the benefit of the doubt going into this season. I didn't want to say I was willing to give Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt because that could be taken That's out of con- good, that could be yes. taken out of context. His performance between the white lines on the football field, but buddy, through two weeks, it's terrible. 
Eesh. He has two face mask penalties last Eesh. Week. And listen, I guess we could say the same thing that we said. He's faced two really good defenses in the first two weeks. Maybe it'll get a little bit, but but he but just— since he's a defense in transition, has, and they got, him has, in, they got them in week one. Not right? looked good. And you're right. I'm, I'm giving Cincy too much credit to call them a They're really a good, good defense. defense. But they have a lot of new faces back there. A lot there. of new faces. They're kind of like the Rams in that, in that regard. A couple stalwarts, but a lot of new faces— uh, it'll be interesting. It certainly will. All right, last one for you before we go to break and then wrap this thing up on the other side. Monday night football, or Thursday night football, pardon me. I'm still thinking about the Steelers and the Browns. Thursday night football tonight, the Giants out on the West Coast in Santa Clara to take on the Niners. Ten and a half point favorites. Historic matchup, you know, two marquee franchises going at each two other. Two big time franchises yeah, who both met, have who both have letters as their have logo. Met in the playoffs. <laughs> a lot of playoff history we there, met right? In the playoffs several the times. classic red versus blue, which I think is the best yeah, aesthetic. It's, a great it's, uniform the, it's the best aesthetic uniform matchup in any sport. Just red versus blue always looks so good on the screen. I don't think the Giants will win that game. Ten and a half points is a huge spread. If the second half against the Cardinals Giants team shows up, they'll cover that spread. This ain't so. Alabama against South Florida, you don't no. get double-digit spreads in the NFL very, very often. often, especially against teams that just made the playoffs and are one and one. And especially on a Thursday night too, where games tend to be more low-scoring. So, and yeah, and for that, I think I think the Giants will keep it within the ten points. But I take the Niners to win at home. I think so too. Oh, Saquon's probably not playing either. So. I don't know. I think the Giants are so desperate, and it's a Thursday night game. You can muck it up, up enough. Fight, yeah. I think they end up losing by nine or Giants ten. Giants got a good defense. Giants got a good they enough do. defense. They, they do. Can, they can get into those muddy dog fights. Yeah, I think the Giants have a really good chance to cover, but that's about it. All right. On the other side, we'll wrap up with some thoughts about the Raiders and the Steelers' upcoming trip out to Las Vegas. Tom Ottferman in for Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment here of a special edition of the Blitz on a Thursday with our guy Tom Opperman. And Tom, this is a shorter segment. We got to get our clock back on schedule. We went a little long-winded on that last one, but that's all right. I can't help it when I'm you talking know, NFL. Buddy, and you know, what ni- you know what's nice, too, is when you're sitting in the host and producer chair at the same time, you, you can do what you want. Clock be damned. I mean, clock be damned as long as we're out at the time we need it's to be. My right? clock. It's, it's my clock. That's right. And if you don't like it, well, that's too dang bad. Simple question for you, Tom, to get us out of here. Sunday night, uh, mm-hmm. 8.15, sorry, 8.20 out there because it's the Monday games are 8.15, the Sunday games are 8.20. Out there in Viva, Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, Darth Vader's helmet. I can't wait. It'll be my first time in Vegas, my first time at that stadium. I'm going to have a little bit of fun. A little bit. And watch the Steelers take care of business. If the Steelers are to take care of business, Tom, what's the one area of this team? If you could pick one area area right now, if you could be football god and you could snap your fingers and say the Steelers get this moving in the right direction, they do this better on Sunday night, your answer would be? Without any hesitation, Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett in the passing game can start to actually push the ball down the field, if he can put up numbers that are – in the 275-yard range and two- to three-touchdown range, then you feel great about a win. You don't feel good about the win against the Browns because who won the game for you? Watt and Highsmith. 
They've been winning games for you for the past two to three years. I know the Steelers can win football games with defense. I have not seen them win a game with a quarterback <laughs> and go a out there and put out an all-pro type performance. Not saying Kenny Pickett will ever make an all-pro team, but at least give me a 300-yard, three-touchdown game every once in a while. I think 15 games is long enough to wait for it. If I could snap my fingers, if I could rub a lamp and have a genie come out and grant me a wish, it would be that Kenny Pickett looks like a franchise quarterback against the Raiders. And that will translate to a win. I'm confident in that. I think you're absolutely right. I'm picking up what you're putting down. And... I mean, hey, that's the low-hanging fruit in a way, but you're, I mean, a, a guy who looks like a franchise quarterback is more than half the battle in the National Football League, and we saw that from Kenny at times last year. We haven't yet this year, and I like where you're going there, too, because, you know, during the preseason, uh, Omar Khan, when he kind of gave his State of the Union address, you know, that the GM always does at the start of training camp for the Steelers, he talked about how optimistic he was for the Steelers team, and there was a follow-up question. I think it might have been from our, our buddy Tim Benz, who's, you know, a real he ain't like those PFF jabronis, all right? He's not like me and you who just sit here and gas bag on the radio. Our buddy Tim Benz, real boots on the ground journalist. He said, okay, well, you, you're optimistic about this team. What's the, what's the biggest reason for optimism? And he ran through a couple of them. But one of the things that he said, the first thing that he said was, I think we have a roster, a team that's built to win in multiple ways. If we need to lean on our defense, we need them to be shut down. We need them to force turnovers and win a low-scoring game. We can do that. And boy, did we see that last week. I certainly. agree with that statement. I think they are supposed to be built to win in multiple ways. And then the next thing he said was, I'm also, I also believe that if we need to get into a shootout and we need our offense to score 30-some points, it. we're built to do that too. Eh, haven't we have, seen that yet. We didn't see that last year. We haven't seen that yet this year. That would go a long way. So to piggyback off of that, I'm with you. I would like to see the offensive line dominate and the run game Let's get push going. some people around finally. because because your answer is the correct one. If you if you've got the quarterback humming again in the NFL, that gives you a chance in every game every yes. time you step into a stadium. But some of the stuff we talked about earlier, I think if Kenny could just feel like okay, I don't have to do. We're going to run the football. Our offensive line is road grade, and we got Najee, 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 Jalen, Jalen, Najee, okay. Najee, 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 Jalen, Jalen. I think that would go a long way for Kennedy. Yes. Kenny get his confidence back, feel good about the offense, and just know. I don't have to overdo it. I think Kenny has a tendency to be playing a little bit of hero ball. Hero ball, exactly. Um, Also, Matt Williamson brought this up on Countdown last night. Kenny thrives in chaos a lot in college. He invites chaos with his style of play. You can be amazing in college football inviting that kind of chaos. You can make the defense uh, overextend themselves, make a lot of mistakes because of the chaos you invite. And since you're the best player on the field, it just don't matter. You can get away from that. That's not the case in the NFL anymore, and one play that keeps sticking out to me, that flip pass to Najee on the sidelines that should have... I, I think the only reason it wasn't intercepted was because the Browns players were so surprised that he threw it. <laughs> that struck me as he's thinking it's college, and even when there's nothing there, I can make a play because I'm the best player in the field, and more so in college, even if I do throw an interception, I know I'm throwing three or four touchdowns anyway. That's not the case in the NFL. So hero ball... Maybe a little bit of those college habits creeping into the NFL, I think, is plaguing him a lot. I think you're absolutely right. And again, I I would love to see Kenny just come out and say, screw this, I'm putting the team on my, you know, the Josh Allen thing that we were just talking about and throw for 300 yards. And But I think we will get to that point eventually if that offensive line can be the unit yes, that we think they're capable for of. For sure, they have to be better up front. And you play yeah. off of that, and then all of a sudden teams have to respect the, 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 the run game. They're putting an extra guy in the box. 
one play action, one pass to George Pickens, and we're off and running, yep. and, and Kenny's got all the confidence in the world. Tom, this was fun today, dude. I always, enjoy, I always enjoy doing this stuff with you. Just let me know anytime, Motes, or, or maybe you need a, a day off, go. and I'll jump in with Motsy. Well, hey, and we'll no, have a little you can't steal my friend. Okay, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tom Opperman, check him out. Steelers Standard, Asked and Answered, Advanced Scout. Everywhere, uh, just everywhere. Here, just turn on a radio like Pittsburgh. Like Roy Kent, here, there, and everywhere. A big shout-out to Tom for joining me today. Thanks to all of you guys for listening. We back with you on Friday where we got the full fixings, baby. Five Star Friday, Show Me the Money, Here We Go song, as we'll get you ready for Sunday night football against the Raiders. Take care, everybody, and talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7, home of the Black and Gold, SNR. You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an ST Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At ST, it's just what we do. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.